Great news, my cruciferous cousins. Plant Strong Foods is hosting a March Madness Meals and Minutes sale. Visit plantstrong.com and save up to 30% on every one of our ready-to-eat chilies and stews. It is the perfect time to stock up on these heat-and-eat tasty meal solutions. Having a stash in your pantry means you're never more than 90 seconds away from a satisfying meal. The sale runs through March 17th while supplies last. Visit plantstrong.com today. I am absolutely thrilled to announce that in the not-too-distant future, we have two events and there is something for everyone. Now, first up on the docket, we have our 12th annual Plant Stock Weekend Celebration. This is going to be a virtual event and it is incredibly affordable. I hope that you'll join us. We have Dr. Michael Greger speaking to us all about his new book, How Not to Age. And the whole theme of this year's plant stock is coming together around food. And in that spirit, we have assembled the most insane list of Brockstar chefs that you can imagine. We've got Max Lamana, who's an award-winning author, social media sensation, and incredible chef. We have got some of your tried and true favorites like Chef AJ. We have Kim Campbell. We have the other social media sensation, Carly Bodrug. We have Cameron Clements, Mrs. Plant-Based on a Budget, Tony Akamoto, the incredible registered dietitian, Desiree Nielsen, Kiki Nelson, Shane Martin, Jackie Ackerberg, Janet Verney, the list goes on. And of course, Jane and Ann Esselstyn and, and my father. Now, the other event that we have coming up in October, from October 9th to the 14th, it is our live Sedona retreat. It's a life-changing event. Highly recommend that anyone looking to take a deep dive with 80 to 90 other people in this very remote location in the austere Red Rock Mountains uh, outside Sedona, Arizona. You do not want to miss this. We've been putting these on now for close to 13 years, and this Sedona retreat is one of my absolute favorites. We're talking unlimited buffets of plant-strong food, yoga, world-class lectures, stargazing, bonfires, pickleball, and all kinds of wonderful bonding and camaraderie. All right. I hope to see you at either or both in the not too distant future. Whether it's Plant Stock or whether it's Sedona, for either one, simply go to plantstrong.com and then click on either 12th Annual Plant Stock or Sedona Retreat 2023. And I hope to see you at either or both. You can't go wrong. I'm Rip Esselstyn, and welcome to the Plant Strong Podcast. The mission at Plant Strong is to further the advancement of all things within the plant-based movement. We advocate for the scientifically proven benefits of plant-based living and envision a world that universally understands, promotes, and prescribes plants as a solution to empowering your health, enhancing your performance, restoring the environment, 
and becoming better guardians to the animals we share this planet with. We welcome you wherever you are on your Plan Strong journey, and I hope that you enjoy the show. After today's interview, my bet is that you're going to want to load up the family and head east to good old Providence, Rhode Island. Over eight years ago, Kim Anderson and her family watched the documentary that so many of you are familiar with, Forks Over Knives, and they felt an immediate responsibility to educate others and inspire change. To that end, they hosted movie nights and dinners where literally hundreds would come to enjoy a delicious plant-based meal, but the refrain that she kept hearing was, It's a shame that I can't eat in alignment with my values and my health when I go out to eat. And the truth of the matter is, there just weren't many plant-based options. That all changed when Kim and her family opened Plant City, the world's first plant-based food hall and marketplace in the heart of Providence. It's packed with multiple restaurants, including Mexican, sushi, Italian, and good old burgers, And Plant City also features a bakery, coffee shop, and a vast community space that's packed with monthly educational programs and cooking classes hosted by lifestyle physicians. In fact, my sister Jane was there just a few months ago and told me how incredible it was knowing that you could walk into this beautiful space and feel the power of the food and the ambiance. The concept has been so popular that Kim's family has opened up multiple drive-thru restaurants across town. Kim and her family's mission is to invest in companies for a more sustainable and humane future, and you're going to hear all about that unrelenting passion in today's conversation. Please welcome a true game changer, Kim Anderson. All right, here we are. Kim Anderson, welcome to the Plant Strong Podcast. Uh, Thank you for inviting us, Rich pleasure to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. I have heard a lot about you. I didn't know who you were. I had no idea who you were. And then all of a sudden I got this barrage of people telling me about the incredible things that you're doing in Providence with the world's first all plant-based food hall and marketplace. And of course, my sister Jane, I think was invited to go do a book signing and give a talk of her new book, be a plant-based woman warrior. And she came back and was raving about this woman that started it all. She was like, Kim is like Lori Kordowich on steroids. Lori's on my team. And she just like, there's nothing she can't do. Right. Pretty incredible. So you're a really, a a serious mover and shaker. Um, Now, before we talk about what you've created in Providence with, is it, what is the exact name of plant city? It's Plant City. Plant City, period. Yep. Okay. Plant City. Plant City. Before we, we di- wanted to make it really simple, no fancy names. People would just know what it was. Yeah. Well, and so before we dive into Plant City, I want to know a little bit about you. So where where did you grow up? I, I've always been in Rhode Island. Went to school in Boston. Worked in New York. Started off in the buying departments of Jordan Marsh and Macy's. Uh, lifelong entrepreneur, and more recently in the last 15 years, a social entrepreneur, meaning that uh, this is not about money for me and my family. It's about using business to scale, to move the needle on an important um, issue or message for the world. 
So you, you said, okay, so you've been like a lifelong entrepreneur, mm-hmm. but I, I have found that being an entrepreneur is you gotta have a pretty incredible constitution to be an entrepreneur. So where did you develop that, mm-hmm. that drive to be an entrepreneur? Because to me, that's, uh, not everybody has it. Yeah. It ta- it does take a lot of resilience. Um, my father was as an entrepreneur, uh, biz, uh, built several businesses, and always wanted to work for myself from from the time that I can remember. I started my first business when I was twenty four after I came home from Macy's. Really, and mm-hmm. what was that business? It was a clothing store, and then in that was in my twenties. In my thirties, I had a home store. Uh, in my forties, I started a business with my daughter that was very very successful with uh, non toxic personal care and home cleaning products. And then um, when we decided to close that, I connected with our family and said, okay, the next problem in the world will show itself and we'll use our skill set to try to make a difference. And our son came home from college with an environmental studies degree and said, if you have a family of means, you have an obligation to invest in climate. Mm -hmm. So we started doing renewable energy, carbon sequestration, battery storage, investing in companies and entrepreneurs. And then a year later, he uh, got Lyme. And decided he wanted to figure out how to eat to protect his body against the onslaught of antibiotics. Wait, wait. Did you say he got Lyme's disease? Lyme disease. Yeah. Lyme disease. Okay. Sorry about that. Yeah. And so he came away with a whole food plant-based diet and started eating that way. And as a parent who's not educated, it's like, great, another thing I have to do to take care of my kids. But a few months later, he asked us for Christmas to watch a few movies. He gave me a list, but it really only took two. My husband and I watched Forks Over Knives, and now then we watched Cowspiracy. Let me interrupt you if you don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind. So, um, Forks Over Knives. Yep. What year was this that you that you saw? Nine it? years ago. Nine years ago, so mm-hmm. about 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what was it about Forks Over Knives that resonated with you that made you go, "Wow"? I mean, this is this is we're going to make some changes. Can you remember? You know, we were in our 50s and and you start really bearing down on your health and your longevity and the questions of how you can how you can make a difference in your life. And, you know, if you'd told me that morning I would have been a vegetarian, I would have called you a liar. And yet we watched Forks Over Knives and Cowspiracy. And as environmentalists and people who are kind of science based, we woke up the next morning and called our son and like, okay, we're we're plant based. What do you eat for breakfast? And we'll figure it out from there. And and literally just never went back. That was that was an easy decision for both my husband and I to make the same day. And our mm-hmm. daughter followed a few months later. Mm-hmm. So so your husband is on board as well. Completely. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, so can you remember what you had for breakfast that day? Um oatmeal. Uh-huh. And well, my husband to this day does the oatmeal on the flax and the chia and the peanut butter and the um, the blueberries and the banana, like the thing weighs five pounds and it takes them half a morning to eat. I try not to do quite that many calories, but, um, yeah, he's pretty much stayed with the same thing ever since. Yeah. So you must, you must, I would imagine run in some pretty, pretty cool circles. What, what, what do all these people that you run in circles with think about what you, your husband, your family have done and now launching Plant City? Do they think you're off your rocker or are they like envious or admirable? 
Well, my husband is also a cyclist, like I believe you are as well. Yeah. And he would go with his buddies and afterwards they'd go find a place to eat and they would all say, oh, where are we going to take the baby to find the right food? And they would bust on him, kind of like what you talk about in the movie with your with your firefighter buddies. And I said, okay, that's it. We're going to have a movie night. We're going to invite them all over and we're going to educate them. And then they could decide once the genie is out of the bottle, what they're going to do with that information. And um, we brought them over for Forks and Over Knives and pulled out the refrigerator and showed them what we eat. And I would say more than half of them now are, if not all plant-based, leaning in about eight guys and um, leaning in hard. You know, they're they're smart guys. They're now in their early 60s. And the choices that they make after they finish their ride are usually plant-based. And and now they actually get to go to our restaurant. So that makes it very easy. Um, Yeah. So... Well, that is, um, that's very cool. I find that so many people are set in their ways and, mm-hmm. and uh, they have zero interest. I saw an interview that you had with some guy in the arena mm-hmm. and he, to me, is like the typical firefighter stuck in the mud, you know, just can't get out of his own way. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, I love the fact that your husband and you were you know, invite these people over, they're cyclists, they're active, mm-hmm. and and it rings true and they do something about it. Well, you know, I've always lived my life by if you have important information that's changed your life, you have an obligation to share it. Mm. So I actually did movie nights um, every other week for about eight months. And I would email 100 or 200 people and get 15 to 25 to show up. And after about eight months, it moved about three or 400 people to plant-based eating and and just honing in on how do you share that message? What are the best movies? And how do you move people in 20 minutes flat to consider this and to actually do it? And um, that was very interesting because I would check back with those people regularly and they would all say, Kim, I could do this at home, but I can't go out. Mm-hmm. And one woman actually said to me, um, Kim, I don't do this when I go out, but I do it all the other times. And I sat back and I thought, well, doesn't that stink that we can't eat our values and our health? When we go out, there's got to be a better way. And that's where the genesis from Plant City came from. Can't eat our values and our health when we go out. That's a powerful statement right there. Mm -hmm. Because you're right. Most people, they give up their values and their health when they go out. They want to be offensive. They want to be difficult, all those things. Mm -hmm. All right. So how did you get the brainchild? I I understand how this has been building now, but Mm -hmm. what was the brainchild for Plant City? Um, you know, I, I was thinking of, of what could I do to have a place to go where I could show people the food and do education at the same time, kind of like what I've been doing in my living room. But, you know, you go into small plant-based restaurants and small vegan restaurants, and most of them are wild colors and tie-dye and peace signs. And, and a lot of people feel really uncomfortable in that environment. And it's small, so there's no place to hide. So if somebody's trying plant-based or being dragged there by a friend, it's not always a comfortable place to be. So I wanted something that was big enough that we as a family could eat in five different restaurants, all kinds of food and be completely satisfied going there on a regular basis, not the same, 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 same. So I wanted this experience and the best thing to relate it to would be a vegan eatily. (laughs) <laughs> right. Lots of options, a marketplace, a takeout area, a coffee bar. So there's, it's kind of like um, a happening 
Right. So that picture there is the patio. And during the summer months from like May to October, between that patio and the tent, which you can barely see off to the right, we serve 150 people outside. And then on the inside, 150 on the first floor, 150 on the second. Um, and we have two restaurants upstairs, Mexican and Italian. We have a burger bar on the first floor of the sports TV on the TV. Around the corner, we have like a sweet green buildable. Ah. Um, and at night at four o'clock, that turns into a sushi bar. Wow. Um, and then we have hundreds of items in a very small marketplace to, you know, because a lot of people say, how do I do this at home? And so that became really our family's favorite in every category. You don't need a hundred pasta sauces. You just pick your four favorites. Mm. And so it's well stocked, not deep and not narrow, but enough to have our favorites. How, okay. So how did you decide on which restaurants to fill up Plant City with? Yes. Is that because of your partnership with, uh, was it Matthew? Matthew. Any? Yeah. Yep. So I knew nothing about the restaurant business except my, uh, I was a host at a bar on the Cape when I was a kid. And I was probably only 19. I'm not even sure if I was supposed to be doing that. Um, but I'd never had any restaurant experience. But the one thing I knew from being an entrepreneur is it's a skill set um, of people and building teams. And really, it's, you know, plug and play. If it's when I was buying for Macy's, was it cosmetics? Was it wigs? Was it, you know, it, if you have the skill set, it could be anything, but I needed a restaurant partner mm. who could bring me the recipes and, and that kind of startup. And um, we had met Matthew several times um, through lo- investing through Everhope Capital in one of his CPG lines, as well as being a big fan of his restaurants in New York. My daughter had lived in New York and we would go there and like literally on the train, we'd be blocking and tackling, okay, we're going to go Mexican first. We're going to Italian second. We just loved his food and really liked him. He's a really what was his? You said you said you, you invested in his CPG line. What we what, what, actually didn't end up investing in no. his CPG line. He, he wasn't ready for it yet, and it wasn't ready. Um, but we really liked him and kind of just tabled the conversation. And so in October of two thousand nineteen or eighteen. When I had the idea for this, I literally wrote a one page at him and I said, okay, here's what I want to do. I love these five restaurants of yours. I want to put them under one roof. I want to create like a vegan Italy and we're going to have a marketplace. We're going to have a community space where we can have like-minded professionals um, share like cooking classes, cheese making classes, that kind of stuff. And he wrote me back in 10 minutes and said, I'm in. Uh, I've always wanted to do it. We looked at it once. We didn't have the right real estate. And Literally, we signed the lease four months later and opened five months after that. And and the fun part was this wow. building was empty for two years. But before we took this building, it was a steakhouse and a strip club. Well, uh, I can't imagine a better transition yeah, for a steakhouse and a strip club than at Plant City. That yeah. that it's, it's like meant to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And since then, we've opened four other restaurants and three of them, two of them are drive throughs and literally took an old Burger King and an old Papa Gino's and turn them around into Plant Cities. Wait, so they're called Plant City X. And so these are not affiliated with Plant City, the building. Correct. There are different locations. Yep. Wow. 20 and 15 miles away, we have uh, two drive throughs Across the parking lot, we have a speakeasy. And then 30 minutes up the road, we just opened a small counter space in a, in a university, Bryant University. Uh, that was our fifth I, restaurant. I am just like, uh, I can't believe it. Um, all right. So you got, did you say five restaurants that are in Plant mm-hmm. City right now? Five restaurants and about 300 employees. Okay. Incredible. And how, 
how do they all do is like, does the Mexican do better than the pizzeria or is there one that does better than the others? Are they all, you know, it's pretty evenly split and it's more space related. So we've got a little bit less space for the new burger concept on the first floor. So in the winter that doesn't quite do as much as the Italian and Mexican because there's more seats. So it's really more space constrained than they're all super popular. We started with Matthew's restaurant uh, recipes, but I have an amazing executive chef who joined us from New York City, who was a traditional chef and ran some very large kitchens like Tavern on the Green and Isabella's in the city Mm -hmm. and had never been exposed to plant-based food and joined us to be a consultant to try to help us open the doors and get the right chef because we had not been able to do that at that time. And he really fell in love with the challenge uh, and the health and all the things that that it meant and uh, has stayed with us since. So he's been with us for four years now. We just adore him. Mm. He runs all the restaurants. So you got almost 300 employees Mm -hmm. in this space. How big is this space? Uh, Over 14,000 square feet. The main plant city, we call it the mothership. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so the 300 employees, does that also include the plant, uh, plant city exit? It it does. But in the summer we're up to, up to 260 just at plant city. Okay. Uh, And who, who is managing uh, 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 all these employees? That sounds yeah. like a lot. We, we have a great team. I'm, I'm very lucky. But but like with any business, it's your team that makes it work, right? Yeah. Um, I have a phenomenal um, gentleman who's front of house, who's had a lot of restaurant experience, and another assistant manager with him, and then four or five floor shift managers. So uh, a COO, an events coordinator, we do a lot of catering, a lot of weddings, a lot of parties. And, and then we have a custom bakery. We do have a head baker there. We have five bakers that start at four every morning. And we make all our breads, all of our baked goods, and all of our um, desserts on site. Do you know how many of your 300 employees are plant-based? That's a really great question. Um, I would say a majority. Many people find us because they're plant-based and they want to be a part of our mission. And that's why we have really terrific um, people and a lot of retention. Mm -hmm. Um, But the folks that aren't plant-based when they join us often become plant-based because they start, you know, getting dripped on from everybody around them. Um, And it's just a beautiful, diverse, compassionate team. They're really amazing. We're very, very lucky. One of the things I didn't mention When you walk into one of our plant cities, we are plant-based, palm oil-free, certified kosher, compostable, and wind-powered. And we don't think there's another restaurant like that in the world, as well as we believe we are the world's largest plant-based or vegan restaurant. Right, right. What? So you mentioned your mission. What is your mission? You know, our mission is to show people through food how beautiful and delicious plant-based food can be. And what we do is we... um, actually share our impact numbers on the environment every single month on our Instagram page, as well as in the restaurant. Um, And actually I can share with you, I think um, Carrie could probably pull it up, but we've served close to 1.6 or 1.7 million guests now in four years. And keep in mind, we were only open nine months before COVID um, and have saved it. It it quantifies um, the amount of grain, the amount of, animal lives, the amount of carbon, you know, we're also environmentalists as a family. And so that was a big driver for us. Um, and I, I talk a lot, the, 
the wonderful thing about Plant City is I'm not having to be there every day to run it because we have this wonderful team, but it's given me the platform to go out and speak and share. And I've spoken to close to 2,500 to 3,000 students September this year um, at Bryant University, Brown University, PC, all all the local. We happen to be in a really great area, Johnson & Wales, which is the top culinary institute. Whenever somebody comes to speak with us, I drag Michael Greger across the bridge over to Johnson & Wales. Your dad was here. If he'd been here a little longer, I would have dragged him there, too. Um, You know, we bring a lot of the thought leaders in this space because I want people to meet them. Then we provide really great food. Because I would say, Rip, that 75 to 80% of our guests are not plant-based. You know, they they come as a, a favor to a friend. They saw somebody's Instagram on their family or friend that this great burrito and this awesome looking pizza and that great margarita and they want to try it. And I only need to get them there once because our place is amazing. Our people are amazing. Our food is through the roof delicious. And so when you have all those things working for you, people will come back regardless of what the food is. And then what happens is they're like, huh, if plant-based is that good, why can't I be doing this? Mm -hmm. So it's the, the food is the message delivery system. Um, and oftentimes we have people come really almost against their will. Like you'll see this big, huge birthday party and there'll be 15 people. And I'm like, okay, who dragged you here? Mm-hmm. And the girl at the front with the birthday thing comes, that was me. It was my birthday. I made them come here. But almost invariably I hear rave reviews from the people at the table who never would have come on their own and will definitely come back. Well, it sounds like it's got an amazing vibe to it. it. It does. Yeah, we, we serve about a thousand people a day and close to two thousand on weekends. And you mentioned you've spoken to like twenty five hundred to three thousand, uh, I think, students and 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 whatnot so far this year. What? How is your message received? Yeah. Are, are is are, are would you say that the the younger generation is getting on board with it? Yeah, for different reasons. Um, the one thing I've learned is that, unfortunately, Americans change their diet like they change their underwear. So I kind of have to talk about a lot more than just diet, especially the young kids, because they think they're going to live forever at 20. So I really talk about it in a circular sense of, okay, there's five reasons why somebody would go plant-based. If you just use the basics, which would be health and healthcare cost, environment and climate, social justice, animal ethics, and preventing the next pandemic. And if you look at those five things, it's like it's like the Swiss army knife of the world's biggest problems. It's like, what else really matters? Um, but for the kids, I start with environment, climate, and social justice. They are completely keyed into this and totally understand it. And then I back in at the end to health and healthcare costs because that's their second more important thing. Um, and I'll tell you, these kids are climate depressed. So when I talk to them about how this can move, it's the greatest gift we've ever been given, Rip, that the diet that we're talking about that happens to be the best for the health of humans and the best for the health of the planet. And so that's really what I share uh, with the kids. And most of the professors get mad at me for doing this, but I give out my phone number every time I speak with the kids, whether it's an entrepreneurial group, a social entrepreneurial group, an, um, an environmental group a sustainability group, a women in business group, because I'm up there pretty regularly at all of these campuses uh, for a lot of different issues. And, you know, thankfully, a lot of women, a lot of women are being invited to the conversations at these places. So therefore, it gives me another leg up. Um, Invariably, I get texts. Wow. You know, I hadn't thought about that. I haven't eaten meat in a month. I'm feeling really great. 
and I'm having a hard time cooking at my dorm and I'll send them a whole list of things that I've prepared for them that they can do easily in a dorm. And I, I always invite them to come have a meal with me at Plant City. So I've gotten to know a lot of these students and they're just super amazing kids. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of them have gone plant-based over the four years because of it. Uh, how far are you from Brown University? At literally less than a mile to the center of campus. Okay. Right. And Rhode Island School of Design is right next to us. That's one of the top art schools in the world. Yeah. How do you know how big Providence is as far as like how many people? Oh gosh. I know Rhode Island's about 950, 950,000. Okay. And isn't um, the smallest of the United States? Uh, state? It's the smallest state, but not the smallest population. Right. We're, we're very dense in Providence. Yeah. Uh, you use the term climate depressed, mm -hmm. uh, I think, to describe some, some maybe this generation. Um, is that because what's going on with the climate mm -hmm. it, it actually depresses them? Yeah, and they're very anxious about what, what what they're coming into. Right, which makes a lot of sense. So what's great is that your message, what what we're trying to show them uh, is that there's hope. Correct. Right? And Correct. we can do something about it like now. Right. And that's you know what happened with my son. We started investing in renewable energies and carbon sequestration and all of these things. And he came to us and said, you know, it's going to be a long time before everybody has an EV going to be a long time we have enough renewable energy in this country, let alone the grid that can capture it, hold it, move it, release it over long distances and all the loss involved with that. But if we can move millions of people away from animal agriculture now, we can reduce those global greenhouse gas, GHGs, carbon and methane dramatically, regardless of who the policymakers are on Capitol Hill. Yeah. We can control this. And that's where I felt a tremendous sense of urgency to scale this message and to figure out how to share it and how to get it out there. Um, I think I read or heard somewhere that your governor uh, for Rhode Island, is it they want he wants all renewable energy by 2030? Yes. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, 2000. And, and unfortunately, food hasn't been a part of that conversation. So I have an, a, a some folks trying to get me into his back door because you can't have this conversation without food. I mean, it depends on what white paper you read. You know, this just as well as I do between 14 and 28% of GHGs are from animal agriculture. And that's a massive number, whether it's the high end or the low end of that. Well, and you know, from Cowspiracy there that Kip Anderson quoted 51% and that's from a paper called Livestock's Long Shadow. Right. It was done by the World Bank. Right. Uh -huh. I got called on it when I use that number. So I try not to put myself with a target on my back. I just yeah. want to get people to be thinking and trying alternatives. And under the Everhope capital side of our family, we invest in plant-based solutions, not only plant-based for eight years now, but also cellular agriculture, because there will be some people who will never want to eat plants for their political reasons or for whatever reason. And we're going to need to feed a growing population. Yeah. No, it's incredible what's going on with uh, the cellular meats right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that there's been what some FDA approval just a couple of days. Correct, ago. just last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very no, excited. Just, just company was able to push that. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I feel very comfortable throwing around fifty-one percent or more. Just when you look at the fact that we consume close to eighty billion animals annually, the fact that you know the supply chain, the life cycle of these animals. Uh, you know, you you mentioned. 
you've mentioned deforestation and everything. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. So, uh, and I, and I think it's fine if people want to question it, but they need to wake up and smell the roses. You know, the kids are really interested in the social justice part of this as well, because yeah. what I say to them is, you know, the people that do this work didn't wake up one day and say, yes, I want to graduate from college, go work for a slaughterhouse, right? They're, they're doing this work because it's off in remote areas and it's the only work that's available to them and they're underpaid and they're physically and mentally ill from this work, as are their families and their communities. It's like an Aaron Brockovich 2.0, right? Right. So when I explain that to them and I tell them, look, I got into this for health and the environment. If I would have one burger, would it change my health or the world's environment? Probably not. But for the things that I wasn't aware about in the beginning, which is animal ethics and social justice, it's a hard no for me mm -hmm. ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's why we I, I try really hard to educate on all aspects of this because the time when they're wavering because they don't really care about their health or their diet or whatever, the full picture is what will keep somebody there. And I think that's a really important message. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> Are your parents still alive? My my father passed a year and a half ago. My mom is. She's 89, sharp as a tack. Um, but about eight years ago when our family went plant-based, I insisted that they did too. And my dad pushed back a little bit. And he, he's, a, he's an orphan, self-made man, former veteran of Korea, has a very strong sense of, of community and, and obligation. So I sat him down and said, look, you have an obligation to yourself to your family, to your community, and to your country, not to get sick and not to have us to have to take care of you. Yeah. And so this is the way to keep yourself healthier longer. And he, he lost like 30 pounds in the first two or three years. And I know that he was much healthier in his last years. Um, he, yeah. And so your mother, who's 89, yep. about the same age as my mother, how uh, she's, you said she's sharp as a tack and is yeah. she on board hundred percent? Most, well, most of the time she's just does, hasn't been able to educate herself as much um, as I would like to. You could only push a rope so far, but um, she doesn't fight it. It's just a matter of sometimes lack of knowledge of following through on it. But um, she had a doctor. I had this smoothie created that we did together for her. And this doctor was like, you're not getting enough iron and you're not getting enough protein. So I deconstructed it. I wrote a little paper and I laminated it and put it basically in her wallet and said, the next time that doctor tells you to go have meat because you need iron, you pull the sheet out. It's got my phone over at the bottom and you tell that doctor he's full of, you know what? Yes. Because you've got spinach and you've got flax and you've got protein powder and you've got you, you know, you've got your day's requirements for protein and iron just about knocked out of the park with your morning smoothie. And she has this smoothie every morning. So, you know, sometimes we do need to do some hand holding, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, tell me, what are your, your, you have a son and a daughter, right? Yeah. My daughter's 29 and our son is 31 and married with a baby. What are your, what's your daughter and your son's names? My son is Froman, as well as his dad's name, and my daughter is Ava. Okay. Who is the most intense when it comes to try and like share and spread this, this message? Oh, I am. Yeah. They've lived with me for a long time, and they tend to be more background, and they're not as strong at all, but that's okay. And I'm not with new people. I don't try to sell it. I don't try to push it. I really try to lead them to a movie mm -hmm. because- people don't want to be sold. They don't want to be told. They don't want to be lectured to They don't, they don't want to think that what they're doing is wrong. And so I often say, you know, just do me a favor, 
watch forks over knives and let's have coffee after that. Then they've got the information and they come to me informed and they want to learn more or mm-hmm. they want to take the next steps. Yeah. And we do movie nights a lot at um, Plant City. And then I also bring them out to the community. I work with the Met School, which is 800 students. It's um, black and brown it's in the south um, side of Providence. Mm. Because I really felt like this information needed to be democratized. And um, the head of the school was a friend, happened to be plant-based for health issues. And I'm like, you know, I can I can help you get this into the school. And the kids wouldn't eat it all the time or even enough that his admin was starting to say, this isn't working. So we stepped in and every Monday did a thing called soup where we had 25 students, admins come to a little class during lunch. We gave them a tortilla soup and hummus pods and educated them on the, on the five things that I talked about and why this matters. And at the end of the season, I did a showing for 700 students on the game changers. Oh yeah. And now when they put this food out, they have a plant-based offering every day and it's four buildings on campus, you'll see kids coming out of one building, running into the other because they ran out of the thing that they wanted and they're eating the plant-based food and they're taking this message home to their parents as well. So that's the work that has to continue. COVID kind of upset that a bit, but that's what we want to do more of. Mm -hmm. So depending upon who you're talking to and how old they are, do you either suggest Game Changers, Cowspiracy, or Forks Over Knives? Yeah, I usually do the Forks Over Knives or Game Changers first. Um, and certainly game changers to young and male yeah. alpha types, young male, but also, you know, older male alpha types. Forks over knives to anybody, you know, over 40 and anyone who has um, what I think looks like issues with, with weight and cardiac and diabetes type pre-disease. Did you know that they're working on game changers too? I heard that. Yeah. I yeah. heard that. LeBron James's um, yeah. film company has has picked it up. Very, very awesome. Very, very cool. As oftentimes I'll see these guys, they're all jacked up and they're in their little marketplace and they're kind of looking around and they'll come to me. And they're like, "Can you help me? I I just watched." And I said, "Let me guess. You just watched the Game Changers. Like, how did you know? I'm like, mm, I wish I had a nickel for every time I got to say that." Well, speaking, of the, speaking of the Game Changers, I mean, there was a really great segment uh, on the game changers with the Tennessee Titans. And I've heard that some of the Tennessee Titans have actually eaten them. Is that true? Yeah. I was very lucky to have Derek and Charity Morgan come visit us a couple of years ago. They would love to build a plant city in Atlanta, I think, or they expressed an interest at the time and Charity wanted to do like a barbecue joint. And I'm like, you can do whatever you want in there. Um, But he did call me the night before the playoffs between the Titans and the Patriots two and a half years ago and asked if they could come. I'm like, absolutely. So the whole defensive line or like seven or eight of them came in and we laid out huge tables of food and um, our server said they'd never seen anybody eat so much and they beat the Patriots the next day. Sorry about that. I'm a huge fan. Um, But we have a lot of athletes that come to us. Matthew Slater and um, Dietrich Wise Jr. from the Patriots come. Um, Jeremy Swayman, the new goalie from the, for the Bruins comes he's actually was um very friendly with us because he started coming to us when he was at at providence um before he moved up um and he great kid really wanted to do more plant-based was finding it different difficult so we actually i had him bring his teammates once a week to have a plant-based dinner on on me to try to i mean he had one kid on his team who didn't ever eat vegetables we called him veggie boy and so i'd say as long as veggie boy's coming we'll i'll, I'll buy you guys dinner so um 
It's very sweet, but it, it is hard even for these kids who want to go this way because the teams don't often support them. Hmm. And I had a young kid, um, David Duke Jr., from PC who went on, now he's with the Nets, I believe. Um, and he was trying to do it at Providence College and found it difficult. So that's kind of something we need to do next is is the, the kids that want to try this and in the sports departments, they're not they're not able to because it's really it's really hard that the kitchen's controlled by other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I think that and over the next couple of years, we'll see that this will make some serious inroads into uh, athletes and sports. And they'll realize that this is a huge advantage. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you also have created something at Plant City called Plant Docs. Yes. And so tell me about Plant Docs. So after I did all the movie nights at my house I, with a few friends, I created a nonprofit called Powered by Plants R.I., and we copied Nelson Campbell's and yours, other people's 10-day jumpstart, blood work, three and a half weeks of whole food, plant-based diet, and blood work, and had tremendous results. I mean, you know, you see those numbers, and that really moves you to make a difference. And so the January before I opened, we had Neil Barnard from PCRM in D.C. come and speak to about 150 physicians and their spouses at a private dinner. Um, and... Afterwards, this woman came up to me. Her name is Dr. Sandra Musial. She a, was a pediatrician at Hasbro. And she said, I really want to help. What can I do? And I said, I know exactly what I want you to do. I want plant docs in the cellar of Plant City. I want you to see a cohort of 20 to 30 clients every month. And we want to do blood work, three and a half weeks of a whole food plant-based diet and blood work and show people by the numbers, the difference you can make in their health. And, you know, again, we only had nine months before COVID, but she and two other physicians do these Monday and Wednesday classes and in, the, in this community cellar. And they would greet them with an appetizer they made. They would do a little eight-minute video with Neil Barnard. They would do cooking classes, and they would do recipe building and menu building in groups within the groups. Um, and then they have a Facebook page where people can follow up and kind of hang together and support each other. Um and, and she's got now over 200, I believe, re, uh, results uh, from clients and is writing a white paper. And I want to bring that to the hospitals and the private businesses in the area. I mean, wouldn't it be great to go to a large private business and say, we give me a 50 people for a cohort with Dr. Musial and plant docs and let us show you, you got you to show them where they live, show you how we can improve the, uh, the performance and the availability of your employees reduce the sick days of your employees and reduce the costs of your insurance of your employees. I think that's how we're going to get people's attention on that side of the coin. And, and once that's successful with 50, how do we take it to the full company? Um, so that's something that we're gearing up to try to do that work as well. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I just, I'm, I'm listening to everything that you're talking about, Kim, and I'm like, you've got a lot of balls in the air. It's really mm-hmm. incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's phenomenal. Thank you. Um, and I'm, I'm super impressed. I mean, huge congrats on, Thank you. on the ecosystem that you've created around, around Plant City, Plant X, Plant Docs, uh, Powered by Plants, uh, RI. It's all phenomenal. Um, so, let me, so let's say that I decide to do the, uh, this 10-day jumpstart. It's three uh, and a half weeks. Okay, sorry. Three, no and, a half, three and a half week jumpstart. Uh, with, with plant docs, 
are there is there food at Plant City that adheres to kind of the more strict, you know, whole food, plant based, limited or no oil? It's very challenging. That is how I eat personally, and it is challenging because if you make recipes that way, the general public won't always eat them. But in our in our buildable area, where we build a grain bowl, which your sister was in love with, <laughs> um, we have black handles and a lot of things in there that are no salt and oil. It's it's farro, it's um, what brown rice, it's kale, arugula, all the green, you know, the basics. So you, yes, the, the corn, the black beans, there's things in there. And then we have several no oil dressings. We make 65 sauces, cheeses, and dressings every single day by hand. And six of those dressings are in that department. And there, uh, there's one, I believe that's a lemon vinaigrette. That's no oil. Um, so yeah, we try to do that. It is not easy. You have to survive to share the message, right? So it's that balancing act, but very funny. And I don't think Michael would mind me saying this, but um, Dr. Gregor came a couple times. He's been there now, but the first time he came, I had chef make this amazing pesto with veggies, no oil, no salt. And he looked at our menus and he's looked at that and he goes, Oh no, 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 no. I'm eating the menu today. I don't do that when I'm out. You know, he's super healthy, but that was, that was really funny because we've taken special care to prepare this meal for him. Now your father, on the other hand, that's all he would eat. Yeah. 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 Um, you mentioned black, black, uh, black handles. What does that mean? Um, so the, the handles on the, the big ladles yeah. have it, black handles on them. And if, okay. And if they're black, does that denote something? That's the, it's the no oil, no, uh, no salt or gotcha. low salt, no oil, low salt. Gotcha. Yep. So you you mentioned the pizza bar, and I've yep. I've read heard that you actually imported these ovens from Italy for these mm-hmm. pizza bars. Is that because it just, I mean, are these ovens what makes them so special? They they go to a super super high temperature. I want to say it's eight or nine hundred degrees, and we could pump ninety pizzas an hour out of there, which on a Saturday night we really need to do. Um, and it the it's Matthew Kenny's recipe for the crust and double zero is actually the very, very, very fine pizza crust from Italy. Like our pizzas are amazing. And, you know, a lot of times people don't want to go plant-based and the last thing that's holding them back, it's the cheese, right? So we make these phenomenal cheeses and and some of them came from Matthew. Some of them come from our executive chef, Luis Yaramillo and, um, macadamia ricotta with zucchini and arugula with a little oil over the top. I mean, there's, there's farro pepperoni. Um, there's, there's a tofu barbecue pizza. That's like one of our best sellers. You've so, got my, my son Cole, that's his favorite. <laughs> well, we'll have to get you there because it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> how, how far is Providence from Albany, New York? Oh, is that five, five hours? hours? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. New York City, two and two and three quarters. Boston, an hour. Yeah. Now, so if I if I went there for pizza, could I customize yeah. one and just say, "Can you give me like a margarita with just all the veggies?" Yeah, we could do that. No, but can you order off the menu? No, just no. go. We have six different. So we have a small kitchen. Yep. And we have um, about two hundred items on the menu between the five restaurants. So in order to keep the speed up, they really have to stick. But that said, we have a lot of guests that visit us with a gluten-free allergy, a peanut allergy, tons of our guests with allergies. 
And um, our team does a really great job on accommodating that. Mm. And so sometimes we do have to switch it up, but chef likes as little switching as possible. So we try to do a robust menu with really great offerings, but yeah, you know, Rip, you're a little bit different. I'm sure we can do something for you. Uh, yeah. Well, that cashew something cheese sounded really delicious. The macadamia ricotta is out of this world. Wow. Um, you guys do a lasagna? We do Matthew Kenny's famous raw lasagna with a uh, sun-dried tomato marinara, pistachio pesto, and the macadamia ricotta that's just to die for. And that's so in the good. Italian side. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's your what's the favorite dish on the Mexican? Uh, uh, they, we make a fajita bowl that I just love. There's the nachos. Our nachos are unbelievable. We have a local Mexican family that makes us these um, corn tor- tor- tortillas every morning or every other morning. Stacks and stacks and stacks of them. And um, on that, we do a, our own homemade queso, our own cashew lime crema, our, our, everything's our own guac, pico, black bean, corn. I mean, it's so good. And these nachos are thick enough to hold all that sauce. Like there, if you look on the, on the Instagram, yeah, you're going to see the nachos. They're amazing. And I happen to love the Dorado taco. It's, um, it's not fish. It's actually a maitake mushroom, but you would never know it. Like if I closed your eyes you just nobody would know that it was a mushroom. Carrie, in the background, see if you can find uh, <laughs> a photo of that and pull it up if you can. Uh, I'm okay. sure you can find the lasagna and the. Um, well, I know I, I've seen photos of pe- your pizza. They're incredible. That crest looks incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually fermented too overnight. Okay. Now, is that upstairs, the, the yes. Mexican and the yes. Italian? Okay. Yes. So downstairs, I know you've got something very, very cute called the makeout makeout bars. Yeah. That- and, and so the, my original note to Matthew was I want these five restaurants and he had a makeout cafe in LA and one in New York at the time. And I, I wanted a cafe, but we needed to serve faster than a cafe. So we did kind of like a sweet green yeah. line. So you can literally just go, I want that, that, that. I pick these six things. That's my dressing and go sit and enjoy or take it out with you and sit on the river's edge. Um, do you, do you, does your, um, does Plant City overlook the river? Yes. That's just We're right on the Providence River and the pedestrian bridge, which has become a big tourist um, attraction. It's just very pretty at night. It sounds utopian. It's lovely. Yeah. Well, actually, somebody was in the last weekend and and we do get a lot of people that are plant-based or vegan traveling great distances to see it with us. And, they, and they'll actually come on a Friday night, have Friday dinner, Saturday brunch, go do something, come back for Saturday dinner, Sunday brunch, and then leave with a car full of goodies. Um, so that's been kind of fun. But we had somebody who traveled, I think, from New York and he walked in and after he left, I had introduced myself. And after he left, he said, this is this is um, vegan paradise. Yeah. Yeah. Have you met yet the, uh, the Asabis, Carl, uh, Carl and Carol Asabi and their son, Rowan? Is that ringing a bell? I don't, I don't believe that I have, but okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've met so many great people rip and, and so many because of Brown, a lot of celebrities, kids are at Brown and they'll come and eat with us. Uma Thurman comes in, her ex-husband comes in, Michael Rappaport's in there. Machine Gun Kelly was in there. Like these are the folks that have money and access to information. And they know what they're looking for. Oh, yeah. Um, Michael Douglas and Catherine Zeta-Jones were in about a month ago. And it's because they have access to information that they've been able to make this change. And that's what I'm trying to help democratize. Mm -hmm. How did you guys survive through COVID? 
It was very tough. Um, we closed the day before the governor closed us because our employees justifiably were very scared and headed for the door. You can't run a business like ours without employees. But when the dust settled that night, Chef texted me and said, or called me and said, you know, there's about 50 people here that really can't afford to be earning 60% of their pay, which is what programs offered, 60% mm-hmm. of their pay. And we're going to hunker down, we're going to mask up, and we're going to try to make this go. And we already have our own app. So we educated that night online and shared with people on social media. Okay, we're going to, starting tomorrow, we're going to take out the four parking spots in front of us, just drive through. It's going to be curbside pickup. And we'll, we were expanding our delivery service. We have 12 drivers of our own. So I really, really don't like DoorDashes and, and how they treat small businesses. Wow. Um, and, and we expanded our delivery to 10 miles. And that was, I think, on a Monday morning or a Sunday. By Friday of that week, you know how uh, the tickets get printed for the orders? But they kind of hang together like Nepalese prayer yeah. flags. Yeah. And Chef walked all the way to one end of the restaurant and had somebody walk all the way to the other end, which is like 100 and 200 feet. And he said, no mas. I have to stop this. I can't make all these orders. So, you know, we were lucky that we survived. We took care of those employees. And then when we got the uh, PPP, we were able to ramp up our takeout, ramp up our delivery and bring back another over over that month through June, July and August, another 50 to uh, 60 employees. So the program did for us what it needed to do to get people back to work. Did you feel like like COVID because what you had to do to survive with the takeout and the delivery has made you stronger? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, entrepreneurialism during COVID is kind of like a contact sport. Yeah. You know, you're just pivoting every day and there's a new set of problems, a new set of parameters, a new set of rules. It was, it was exhausting for the whole team, but you know, you do what you got to do to be able to do what you want to do, which is share the message. Yeah. Uh, Are you, are you profitable? Yes. Yeah. We were profitable from day one. Uh, Plant City, you know, look, this was an idea. I thought it could work, wasn't sure. And it's really like jumping out of the 17th floor with a parachute and saying, mm, I hope this works. <laughs> so the day we opened happened to be the day of Pride, which I did not know was going to go right by our front door. Yeah. And in our first 72 hours, we served 13,000 guests. God. And our executive chef, I'm sure he would tell you this himself because I've, I've heard him say it before came out of the kitchen. That was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, on Sunday, crying and said, I don't know if we can do this. And before that next Friday, we had to build an extra prep kitchen in the basement. And I rented space across the way for the bakery because the bakery things were making everything else hot and it wasn't working. So we had to get them out. And we literally did that within one week. How much, how much are you guys composting every week? Do you know? Um, we've diverted 280 tons of compost from the local landfill because everything is compost, all of our packaging, all of our food scraps. If you drive by Plant City, there's like 18 bins outside the back of the kitchen of compost and recycle. And the composting group out of Southern Mass comes three days a week and they, they have a great system. They offload it. They dump it right in. They power wash the buckets and they put them back on the ground. Wow. So, yeah. Do you, do you know, like, by avoiding having all those scraps going into the landfill, how is that helping the environment? I don't know the exact number and I have not factored it into our impact numbers that are on our, our Facebook page. Um, yeah. But I should have some of these university kids help me out with that. Yeah. And it would probably be pretty easy to figure out. It's got to be a massive number because as you know, 
Oh. Methane is 85 times more potent than carbon. It's got a lot less shelf life, doesn't hang around forever to do the long-term damage, but because it's a really bad actor in the beginning, it's it's devastating. And so, yeah, we have to get rid of that. Yeah. And I, I do, whenever I speak, say to people, if you know a restaurant that wants to compost, we are not competition, we are support. Mm. I will open the kimono. I will share the numbers. I will share the costs. It's less expensive than I thought it was going to be, and it's not as expensive as my trash. And I want to show people how easy this is to do. On the other hand, the takeout packaging is very expensive, and there's white space there for somebody to solve that. Mm. But the compost packaging, I wouldn't consider doing anything else. It wouldn't do plastics, but it's extremely expensive. I mean, we spend almost $8,000 a week on takeout packaging. Wow. You're, um, you're committed. Yeah, we are. We want to expand. We think the drive-thrus can go to franchise and we actually, um, have a, a, you know, what I don't get excited and up and down as I used to when I was a kid, because as you know, things can start and not happen, but we are working with a group that, um, out of China, it's actually an American group that works with a Chinese mall developer, the highest end mall developers. And the folks that brought um, Starbucks and Shake Shack to China want to bring Plant City to China. Really? We'll believe it when we see it. But it's nice to know that people really want it and they're willing to have those conversations and start negotiating. And um, and and Matthew's the one that gets all the phone calls. People all over the world want to open restaurants. And I'm like, you know, we let's not entertain small restaurants because the plant city is much bigger and financially viable for, for anybody to be spending the same amount of brain damage to build and run. Um, but the problem right now is, you know, we, we looked at one in LA, it was a, a 45,000 square foot former post office and they wanted $250,000 a month to rent. So right now the cost of labor, the cost of goods and the cost of rent is really makes it prohibitive to do a lot hmm. of development unless it's people who own the properties and have really deep pockets and are mission driven and don't care about the economics. And so I'm like, Michael, Matthew, those are the people that you want to talk to. And so um, the Royal family of Dubai wants one in Dubai. Um, They want a plant plant city or a plant city X plant city. Plant city X is smaller, 3000 square foot drive through. It's just like a Burger King drive through counter service, sit in, sit on the patio or eat in your car. So is that what you're serving? Are you serving plant-based burgers and fries? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But they're not. You can get an Impossible Burger if you want, but we make our own burgers. Oh, wow. Rice, black beans, um, carrots, beets, um, walnuts, and um, mushrooms. Um, And and we make – it's like the future of fast food, Rip. We make everything fresh every single day that we serve fast food in three and a half minutes out the drive-thru. That. So does that mean you're making everything like the burger patties the day before? Are they in the freezer? The day of. The day. The day, the day of. of. The day of. I need to come witness this. Yes, it's <laughs> the future of food. Like like we're wedged between a Taco Bell and a Burger King, and you know those folks are sh- are trucking in meat and leaving it in a freezer for a month before you even see it. Ours is made in the morning and served in the afternoon. It's it's unbelievable. And how are those doing? Um, you know. One of them does better than the other, and it all comes down to traffic and seasonality. Um, one of them breaks even, and the other's like very successful and doing quite well. So I do believe that that's something that could be franchised. 
And you said that one of these or both of them, they were old Burger Kings. Is that right? Uh, yeah. One was an old Burger King. I'll send you the pictures. It was really ugly and now it's really handsome. So we totally transformed them. It's handsome, not beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, have you, have you ever um, met John Mackey? Yes. You have. Yes. Okay. I met him at plant stock at the last one that you guys had up at your farm. Oh, you were there. Fantastic. Yep. So yep. do you know what John's John's doing right now? Yes. Have you talked to him about what he's doing and what you're doing? No, have not. All right. Um, I need to would connect. love to be connected with him. A big fan. Well, you guys are so mission aligned and you're trying to do so many similar things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, his new venture is basically trying to do restaurants and uh, and medical centers or little. Right. That it, right. So, um, so much overlap here. Uh, right. We don't need to recreate the wheel. I'm certainly happy to help in any way I can. Again, never been about competition or money. It's about furthering the, the mission. Yeah. Yeah. So wonderful. Well, Kim. Yeah. I, I'll tell you one thing I want to do before you yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here's one thing I want to do. And I have not been able to have the time or the energy to get that off the ground. I want to do national or global movie nights one night a month, second Tuesday of the month. You invite 10 friends to watch the Game Changers, 10 friends to watch The the Smell of Money, the new one that's coming out about pig farms, uh-huh. 10 friends to watch What the Health, and just do a different one every time. Can you imagine if a million people sat 10 people down in their living room and did a movie night and then opened up their fridge to some of their favorite food? The, the power in that, the scale of that would be earth-shaking. The other thing I want to do is have Game Changers shortened to a 45-minute version the way Forks Over Knives did. Because we want, we need to be able to take that into schools, and it's mm. too long. Mm. I didn't know that Forks Over Knives had a shortened version. That's what I've been told. I have not used it personally because I want to wait for the Game Changers one. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I wonder if they left me climbing the pole in that. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go on to Plant City Instagram at the top, it says, by choosing a plant-based meal, yeah. you have saved with us thank you to you, 564 million gallons of water, 39 million pounds of grain, 29 million square feet of forest, 20 million pounds of carbon, and 969,000 animal lives. And that's since you opened your doors? Four years ago. Wow. Who, who is keeping track of all that? I'm just using the vegan calculator, uh-huh. and I'm counting lunch and dinner. I'm not counting breakfast. Uh-huh. And I'm counting that 75% of our guests are not plant-based. So, do, you guys, do you guys serve alcohol there? Are there bars? Yes, we do. Uh-huh. Is, yeah. is that, uh, are those downstairs, upstairs? Where are those? Um, we have three full bars. Wow. Plus the speakeasy across the way. So that's four. Huh. So can you smoke cigars in the speakeasy? No. Okay. No, okay. Just no we got to draw the line somewhere. <laughs> but we have a lot of mocktails, not just cocktails. Uh-huh. Is there a secret password to get into the speakeasy? There's not even a sign on the door. <laughs> You literally have to know where it is, walk through the bakery, hang a left at the stove, and the chef will say, yes, you're in the right place. Go down the stores through the black door, Speak stairs through the black door. The and it's the Boston Globe called it a very sexy, sultry speakeasy. And literally, when you walk in, it's dark, oh. and it's really cool. Wow. Good ambiance. Yeah, what, what, about the, what about the other two bars? What's the ambiance of those? So the first floor is the sports bar with the burgers. Uh-huh. Second floor is the Mexican tequila bar. And then the third one is with the Italian side is a little more wine, but you can get any cocktails or any drinks at any one. Uh-huh. So and it's all vegan wine. 
Mm-hmm. So obviously everything, the minute you walk through the door is plant-based. All right. So in, in, in your vision, Kim, looking out 10 years from now, how many plant cities do you think are going to be around the world? I have no idea. I hope there's a handful of really good ones, but I have no idea. What I do think is that by our success, there's a lot of other restaurants in the area and beyond that have said, holy shit, what are they doing? They're always busy. And they've added plant-based options to their restaurants. We actually had a guy come recently who owns a very famous bar and restaurant down in South County near Westerly, um, near the oceans where Taylor Swift has her home and uh-huh. It's a very high-end old old New England resort. And he's adding another restaurant. And he said, I don't think the region is ready for all plant-based, but I'm going to have a lot of plant-based options. And I keep hearing about this place. And most people look at that and say, oh, competition. I look at it and say, how can I help you? Mm, mm. You know, yes, it's been successful. I'll share with you. What do you want to know? You know, there's a thing called Rhode Island Mushroom Company. And we are the second largest purveyor of their mushrooms other than whole foods in Rhode Island. Um, and I'd love to have somebody else use their mushrooms. Do you know what kind of mushrooms? Oh my gosh. My talkie should, uh, we've got so many lion's head. I know there's a bunch of them that we use in, in our recipes. I'm not even allowed in the kitchen, Rip. If I go in the kitchen, I hear this from chef, get out of my kitchen, get out of my kitchen. And he's only half kidding. Uh (laughs) Well, you, um, have you ever met Derek Sarnow? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. My son was in, uh, a partner with, um, new crop capital and yep. Chris Kerr. Yep. So we know Absolutely. Derek and Chad and, you know, my, my husband says we're part of the vegan mafia, but <laughs> yeah, um, just the most wonderful platform to meet the cool kids that are doing great things. And the Sarno brothers are, their story is amazing. They're tremendous human beings and gosh, I hope they have so much continued success. Oh yeah, they will. That whole wicked line we saw when we were traveling in Europe. It's, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. Chad, Chad, Derek and I were on the same team at whole foods for three years. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know that, but I, I knew that that's where they got their start. Yeah. Great guys. I mean, Chef Chloe is a good friend. We've, we've just been so lucky to meet great people who are doing the right thing for the right reasons. Yeah. Man, wonderful stuff. I can't wait to get to Plant City. I got to check it out, uh, see the scene. W- with that, Kim, all the best to you. Thanks for spending well. some time with me on the Plant Strong podcast and sharing all the incredible things you're doing around Plant City in Providence. A lot of great peas. A lot of great alliteration. Yeah, the alliteration. So nice to meet you. Thank you for all the great work that you do and look forward to meeting you someday in person. And um, thank you. Appreciate it. Give me a a plant strong fist bump on the way out. Boom. Keep it plant strong. Hey, thank you. For more information on Plant City, visit plantcitypvd.com. Their next four-week Jumpstart Your Health program kicks off this September and next week you're going to hear from the doctor leading that charge Dr. Sandra Musil. Until then, thanks so much for listening and sharing these episodes with your family and friends. And if your travels ever take you to Providence, be sure to keep it planned strong at Plan City. 
Thank you for listening to the Plan Strong podcast. You can support the show by taking a quick minute to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Leaving us a positive review and sharing the show with your network is another great way to help us reach as many people as possible with the exciting news about plants. Thank you in advance for your support. It means everything. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Anne Cryle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.